So my name is Mikko Snellman. I'm a rope maker and a knot tiger from Finland. And this is Cut the Craft. Also, Mikko, before we really get started, I have to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. uh, are the Finnish generally like, uh, like a pretty happy people? I've been watching a lot of the Winter Olympics mm -hmm. and... <laughs> Uh, I was watching the snowboarding last night, okay. and all of the Finnish snowboarders looked like they were having way more fun than anybody else that was competing. <laughs> and I was just like, I have to ask Miko about this. <laughs> well, if you if you if you think how well Finns are doing in the winter sports, they shouldn't be too too happy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, but the snowboarders are, are a different kind of people. They, I, I, I love them. They, they always uh, seem to have fun and, and they don't take the sports so seriously, so to speak. They, they just have fun. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that explains it. <laughs> Ice hockey I did play at, at one time, so. Oh, really? Uh, yes. Yeah. I actually played. Well, if you follow the winter sports, you, you maybe follow ice hockey also. So you maybe know know some of my old teammates. Oh, really? What? Like Jari Kurri, <laughs> like oh, Jari Kurri, who made who made a made a big career in in NHL. Oh, wow! Later on, I, I have to admit that I don't know anything about any winter sports. Not during the Winter Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> I only watch the Winter Olympics, and then I don't watch any sports for four years. So, so, so what is it that you're actually enjoying in it? Looking at the snow. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I just think, I think like the types of activities that they do are super interesting. Mm. Like, like bobsledding I mean, like the and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. like, or like the, one of the craziest ones to me is like the, um, the mogul skiing. Oh, because yeah. I'm like, how did that become a sport? Like, how did those rules get made where they're like, you have to hit all these tiny little hills and then do a backflip. And then hit a bunch more tiny little hills and do another backflip and then skate down them, or and ski down them. <laughs> yeah. And whoever can do that the fastest wins. And here's all the rules. Like, <laughs> I just like, how did that start? <laughs> um, all right, cool. Well, thank you for answering my question. Um, <laughs> well, uh, welcome to Cut the Craft, everybody. I'm Brian. And I'm Amy. And we are here with Miko Smellman, or Snellman, excuse me, a rope maker and knot tire coming out of Finland. Miko, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor for me. Oh, we're so happy to talk to you. I, your, your craft is so unique. So I just, I'm so curious. Can you, can you describe uh, what, what you do and then how you fit within your own field? Are you kind of like a lone wolf out there? <laughs> uh, well, I thought so in the beginning. <laughs> and I'm, oh, okay. And I, and no one else does anything like like I do. But uh, uh, later on, I noticed there's a huge amount of people who are interested in knot tying and, and real artists. Oh, wow. uh, that, that's, a, that's a big community all around the oh, world. Wow. Uh, I just didn't know it. <laughs> yeah. So, so actually, it's it's a quite common hobby to to tie knots or, or be interested in in knots and, and rope work. So uh, there aren't too many who make it professionally, mm -hmm. except of of course riggers and, and uh, that kind of people who who mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. re really work with uh, practical solutions. 
with with ropes, mm-hmm. but uh, but uh, kind of fancy work is the kind of work that I do most. So so we are many who who do it, uh, but very few real professionals. Hmm. Hmm. So I mean, for our listeners who have no idea what what types of things you're making can you just describe a little bit about like yeah about the work that you do mm, no well i can try <laughs> my, my <laughs> own, uh, playing around with ropes and tying knots it's a huge huge uh, wide uh, okay. f- field so uh, my own special interest in knot tying is uh, what's called fancy work and it's kind of work that sailors did in the time of sailing ships uh, to show off their skills they tied very decorative knots and and did all kind of items uh, using rope as a material hmm. and that developed to a, an own, uh, own art form actually so somewhere in the 1800s and that's where my inspiration comes from so i make all kind of items using rope as a material that can be boat fenders mats, uh, bell ropes, chest beckets, uh, key fobs, earrings, anything. So, uh, uh, and that's what makes it so interesting. So, so the sky is only the limit if you let your imagination to go free. Wow. Uh, so, so, so that, that's my interest <laughs> in, yeah. in, in the field of knot tying. Well, so how did you how did you get into this? Was there someone who taught you how to do all that work or did you just, how, how, how did you start? How did I start? Well, we yeah. start from my childhood. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think I learned to tie knots and how to splice before I, I learned how to, how to read or write. Oh, wow. And that's, uh, that's because my, my father was uh, very interested in life at sea and he had a boat and we always, Boating uh, all the summertime, and and as a part of that lifestyle, uh, uh, you need to know your ropes mm. simply for for safety reasons. So, mm-hmm. so without no knowing the ropes, uh, you you can't do boating. And so, so my father taught me the necessary skills wow. uh, that, that he thought that we need. He treated us. Uh, like he was a captain on a ship and we were his crew. <laughs> so, uh, but that's quite understandable. I come from a long line of sailors and, and especially captains. So there were skills that he had learned from his father who had learned from his father. So it uh, had gone from generation to generation. Wow. The skills of, of uh, handling ropes. Hmm. So that was the first time I, I was introduced to, to knot tying and uh, I wasn't so interested in, in, in fancy knot work at that time. It, it became just a natural part of my life mm-hmm. to play around with ropes and tie knots uh, for all kinds of practical purposes. Mm-hmm. So I somehow I understood the possibilities of, of cordage. Mm. That I, I, if I have a piece of cordage, I can do anything. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when other boys were building tree houses by nailing boards to trees, I used a piece of twine and did lashings. Mm-hmm. So I didn't harm the trees either. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so, so I, I used a rope in, in my everyday life anywhere and, and didn't think, think much of it. Mm-hmm. 
So it was uh, a bit later on. I was uh, I also developed a love for the sea. So I was in scouts. I was in ski sea scouts, and, and there I was uh, first time introduced to to more fancy work. There were some. I think there were old sailors who taught us how to tie decorative knots and do mats and uh, neckline yards, that, that kind of stuff. And uh, that was very interesting for me to see that that uh, ropes and cordage it doesn't have have to be just practical knots and uh, used for practical purposes. You can create even pieces of art mm-hmm. with a piece of rope, and that was well kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I didn't become a professional knot tire then. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just something that was interesting. Uh, I took to my bag of skills and, mm-hmm. and uh, occasionally tied not here and, and not there. So it was much later on in, in life that I, I became interested, really interested in, in, in fancy work mm. and, and tying knots. But, but that, that 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 was the way I started in in my childhood. And so you you started you worked professionally or were trained as like a cabinet maker for a while, right? Uh, yes, uh, though I played around with ropes, it it wasn't such an interest for me that I would uh, think of it as a working career or, or anything like that. I was uh, more interested in woodworking, hmm. and, and that, that actually became my profession. I went to school for and became a cabinet maker. Hmm. And, and I had the opportunity of, of working in a real old-time uh, woodworking shop with uh, very skillful old, old woodworkers, and I learned a lot about the craft there, and not wow. just uh, woodworking, but but craft in general, how it's how it's passed on to for generation and generation by by doing and by showing, and and how it's. Uh, more of a mindset than just a bunch of tricks. And mm. <laughs> right. So, so, uh, so I learned a lot there, and, and it was a number of years I, I worked with, with uh, in making cabinets or making furniture. There were real high class, old time furniture that we we made in the shop. Wow. So, how did the transition sort of happen from you know? from cabinet making back to ropes? That's a long and sad story. <laughs> oh, oh, long and sad. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, yes, it has a happy ending, but oh, okay. the sad parts. Uh, uh, well, uh, I made a mistake. My first mistake. <laughs> I made lots of mistakes in my, in my life. Uh, and hopefully I've, I've learned something from them. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, though uh, I had the opportunity of, of working with with the in cabinet making or, or like that, I became interested in working for money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got the opportunity. I worked in a company uh, that built fairs around the world, and so it sounded interesting to to be able to travel around the world and. and make good money with it. Mm-hmm. So I did a number of years I worked with that, but uh, met a girl, we got married, and we got our first first child, a son. Mm-hmm. And uh, the work was kind of like I was traveling a lot and I was working long days, so I, I never was at home, actually. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't see my son grow or anything like that. So, so we thought about that, that we must 
do something to to get away from the mm-hmm. from the wheel, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so we moved away from the city. We lived in Helsinki then, and I moved to a small island in the middle of Baltic Sea. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> well, not in the middle, but uh, <laughs> surrounded by water anyway. <laughs> uh, a very small island with maybe hundred people lived mm-hmm. on on that particular island. So, so we wanted to get away and then try to live more simple life and have more time to ourselves and, and it worked quite well in the beginning but uh, but with time this was many many years ago we lived there for 25 years on the, oh, the wow. island mm. uh, and uh, well you have to do all kind of things to support yourself uh, when in, in such a remote place so mm-hmm. so i worked with everything from working on fish farms and, and greenhouses and i had my own little workshop did some woodworking there and mm-hmm. and ended up uh, then working in constructions and, and renovating old houses and things like that that i actually never liked too much mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, i did some some lot work even even there uh, I wanted to build a, a sea chest to myself. I've always loved sea chests. They are beautiful items. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a model, I used a chest that my father had, an antique sailor's chest. And the woodworking part was, well, that was no big deal for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but then uh, but then I needed to uh, tie the beckets, the handles for the chest. You may have seen how they look like sailors. Mm-hmm. Just a, a, a very beautiful, very difficult. And uh, well, I needed to to do it, so I I had no books. I had no people who ask anything. I I didn't know if I, I thought it was something that sailors did, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so so the only way for me to to do those baguettes was to try to replicate those baguettes that I saw in my, my father's chest. I studied them hard and, and actually I managed to almost make copies of those those wow. baguettes without any instructions. Oh, wow. I kind of did uh, reverse engineering in my head and took up all the, the knots and in order to tie them back. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and uh, well, I was quite happy with the with the result, but and actually, I made a few chests uh, also to to a shipping company, to a cruising company, and they gave the chest as a retirement presents to the mm. old captains. So, huh. but even there, I, I didn't start doing more of it. it. Took many years again. <laughs> I didn't do anything. <laughs> but the life got uh, quite hard there out in the. Uh, living in, in a remote island to, to support myself and, and my family and and getting all to go together. So uh, I, I didn't feel so good. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result for that, I start drinking. Mm. I, I, I've always been a drinker so, since I was a little boy. But uh, I developed a, a severe addiction mm-hmm. and, and became an alcoholic. Okay. And as a result of that, I... I lost about everything 
in my life. I lost my work, I lost my friends, I, I lost my health, I lost my driver's license, I lost my car, and I almost lost my life in an accident. Wow. So, so, so that was, well, that was my bottom. That. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but luckily I didn't lose my, my family. Mm. They, they trusted that I could get myself out, out from the addiction. And, and so, so with their help, I, I found myself in a rehab. Wow. And it was time during the rehab that I needed something to work with my hands, to, mm. just to feel good, kind of a therapy. I could have started knitting or painting or, or anything like that, but uh, rope and cordage was was a familiar material for me, so I started to do more fancy work and, and not work. Mm. And it made me made me feel good. Mm. It's a very very therapeutic work to to work with mm-hmm. with cordage and um, kind of a meditative for for me anyway. And mm. uh, well, that's how I got away from my addiction anyway. Wow. Wow. Tying knots. And uh, as a result, I, I noticed that I'm actually quite good at this. And I, I enjoy <laughs> yeah. what, what, what I'm doing. Why, right. why, why haven't I done, done more of this before? Right. And that started the process of, of getting professional. I was, uh, of course, I was out of work at the time, so, so I didn't have any, anything else to do. So I started wow. to do not work. Wow. The John C. Campbell Folk School's new catalog for all 2022 classes is now available. Explore a variety of subjects, including basketry, weaving, blacksmithing, woodworking, and more through their e-catalog at folkschool.org. Scholarship opportunities are available for all classes. And for more information on that, Visit the scholarships page on their website, folkschool.org, or email them at scholarships at folkschool.org. North House Folk School is now accepting applications for their Artisan Development Program. This program nurtures the growth of the next generation of traditional craft artisans. It offers professional development, including mentorship, education practice, studio space, and time for artisans committed to pursuing craft education as a professional pathway. Learn more at northhouse.org. That's an incredible story, Miko. Um, I know that that's something a lot of people struggle with, you know, like addictions to various things. And it's, it's just a testament to how like handwork doing something that's like outside of your head can help you kind of get get things in order you know it's really beautiful thanks yeah. for sharing that yes. yeah and uh, it's not just that it's uh, actually it's uh, scientifically uh, shown that uh, it's the uh, connection in your creative part of your brain mm. in connection with your fingers doing something mm. that that uh, it uh, gets all kind of processes uh, in your brain and uh, you get all kind of dopamines and endorphins and everything that makes you feel good. Wow. A chemical reaction in, in your brain. But it's the, it's a connection of your creative part of your brain and your fingers. Huh. And oh. that's what works. 
And uh, if you think about it, it uh, people often use that as a therapy. They, they paint, mm-hmm. they write, draw something, mm-hmm. and they are doing it with their hands. Mm-hmm. And that's where it works. Yeah. Hmm. So it's uh, it's very good. I can recommend to anyone. I said I, I could have picked up knitting if, if I was more into knitting, but uh-huh. <laughs> that's uh, that's all. <laughs> my, my, right. my wife does. My my wife <laughs> works with that kind of cordage. That's knitting where she is, she is feeling bad. So <laughs> oh, that's good. So that's so good. working with your hands and being creative. That's a, that's the that's the key. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I I, I mean. I had a conversation with a family member a couple, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks ago. And in the course of conversation, I just sort of realized I, um, uh, with like, without going into a lot of detail, like I've been through a lot of stuff too, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I told, I told this family member, I was like, carving is like the only thing that has, kept me together in a lot of situations and I'm not like mm-hmm. hanging on the edge right now or anything, but like when, when I have been <laughs> the only thing that's keeping me, you know, kind of together and fixing things and in myself has been my connection between uh, my hands and my heart, you know, and how important yeah. that is. And so I can totally, mm-hmm. I totally resonate with what you just talked about. And I'm sure there's mm-hmm. so many craftspeople out there that can also. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Brian, are you knitting right now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, Brian's a knitter. <laughs> and I was just thinking, oh, I, was, yeah. I was just like thinking of, uh, Miko and your relationship with knots and just thinking like, I'm not even making knots. Like I'm just looping loops within loops. Like, <laughs> Well, uh, they, they are actually very close relatives. <laughs> uh, and, uh, so uh, I've done uh, quite a lot of hitching, what it's called. Mm. And it's kind of a knitting when you're covering bottles, for example, which won't oh, work. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so you're making a half knot. Yeah, or a, what's it called? A hitch, as it's called. Half hitch. And yeah. you're drawing. Yeah. Yes, and, and you are pulling the whole cordage, thirty meters or twenty meters, through the loop, and then you make a second hitch. So mm. there must have been a sailor somewhere who thought that's much too much work. Why don't I pull just a loop? And then <laughs> yeah. next, loop, and the next loop. Yeah. And yeah. that's how knitting was invented. Yeah. <laughs> Laziness is mother of all inventions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy to hear that about the covered bottles because when you sent us some photos of your work, uh, those were my favorite pieces. And maybe <laughs> there was the piece that resonated within me of like, oh yeah, those are just some, some half hitches. Those aren't real nuts yet. They're, all, they're close relatives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, h- hitching a bottle is very easy. You have to learn a half a knot. <laughs> <laughs> and we've done a couple of couple of thousand of those, those so so the work is done. <laughs> so that, that that's kind of a fun part in the knot work. So the knots actually are not so difficult to learn. Mm. Are, well, I like just half hitching. Uh, Mm-hmm. You, you learn to do a half hitch <laughs> quite fast, yeah. but it's it's how you how you tie them together 
Mm. And that's the real challenge. Hmm. Now, you know, it took several, several bottles for me before I could man- manage to make one that I was happy myself. Wow. To get it even. Mm-hmm. Well, you as an eater, you should know that you yeah. have to be very consistent. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, hold it looks real weird. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, uh, and that at the same time, it, it makes it a very meditative work. Mm. You're repeating the same movements mm-hmm. exactly the same way every time. So you need to be very, very concentrated. And that's the moment where, where I'm actually in the moment mm-hmm. when I'm doing that kind of work. Uh, there's, there's nothing else. Everything else disappears around mm-hmm. from me. Mm. And there's me, there's a piece of cordage, and there's a knot. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then I do that knot, and then I move on to the next knot. <laughs> and I think, of the, th- think of where I'm coming from, and I don't think where I'm going to. I don't think right. of the end result. Mm-hmm. Just one knot at the time. Just like I live one day at the time. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. really. Yeah. Well, this re- this reminds me a lot of um, a conversation that we had with uh, Cassie Dixon. She's a weaver, and mm-hmm. and she talked about how um, with weaving, you know, for it to look right, you have to be so consistent. And like, if she's ever in mm-hmm. the wrong place in her head, she like can't do the weaving. And, mm-hmm. and that really, in a, in a sense, every weaving that she's done is like a record of all of these good days that she's had because she had to be mm-hmm. in like that, that perfect headspace in order to do it. And that kind of reminds me of what you're talking about, where you have to like have the consistency and allow yourself to get into that place where you can be consistent yep. and lose yourself in the task at hand. Mm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so that, that's about, uh, a good thing and a bad thing. <laughs> On a bad day, it's 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 very difficult to get into that mood, right. to get into flow flow, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but at the same time, when you do it, it's very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So then, when you so when you made the connection between, all right, this is like, this is a great thing that I want to pursue. Did it did it take off? Like, how did you? Um, become a professional? Uh, well, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, great. We got nothing but, but time. But, <laughs> but this is not a sad story. This is a happy oh. story and it's oh, okay. not so long. I, I, I don't know. I, I, no, uh, as, I, as I said, I, I realized that I, I'm quite good at this and uh, this is what I want to put my energy on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't know if anyone else did it, but professionally, I mean. Uh, I've seen uh, pictures of, of some incredible works of art that were made, uh, some frames or, or just just beckets or things like that. And, and I, I, I wanted to learn, learn it all. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wasn't even aware but there are any books that you could use to learn. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know any people. But luckily, this was a uh, time of the internet already. The wonderful thing of, in- thing of internet. Mm-hmm. So I used the uh, internet to, to, to search for more advice and, and inspiration. And, and there's someone, I think it was in Facebook or something like that, uh, recommended a book 
Mm. And uh, that, that you sh- this is the book that you should get to, to learn more. And uh, I asked my brother to buy me the book as a birthday present. I didn't have any money. So he bought from, from eBay for $20 the Ashley Book of Knots. And I learned that's called a notorious Bible. Hmm. He made a f- huge work. I think he worked 11 years with the book, oh, trying wow. to collect every knot in the world in the same book. Whoa. It's uh, published in, in 1944, so uh, that was uh, a time ago. Yeah. But it's, uh, and that was, uh, that was a game changer for me. Wow. So uh, I, didn't have, I didn't have to figure out myself how to do things. I had a book uh-huh. with instructions. <laughs> <laughs> and not just that, they, it, 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 had, it had all the instructions. Yeah. And it's also filled with uh, history, funny stories, uh, mindset, everything. That, that's, that's an incredible. I have not read the book altogether yet. I open it, I read it here and there, and and if I give some some advice, so I know that I can find it in, in this book. Mm-hmm. So that's the. I have other books also. I have collected some books, but this is the only book that I actually use. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that 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 was a huge thing for me. So I I could learn more and, and got very inspired. And uh, then there was an, another event that. Uh, made me to turn pro, so to speak. Uh, so I, I joined the International Guild of Knot Tires. And that was also, also someone recommended that, that you get together with people who are attiring knots and, and have the knowledge and, and everything. So, so I joined the International Guild of Knot Tires and uh, they had a meeting in, in Fairham in, in England. And I thought that I would go there and, and meet the people and, and see see how it goes. And I also had the opportunity of uh, putting some of my work on display there mm-hmm. and take my rope making machine with me and, and give demonstrations in rope making. And I was so nervous. <laughs> 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 the, that was the first time I would uh, actually meet any people who, mm-hmm. who did that kind of work. And, and wow. I've only seen pictures, so so I was nervous. I, I took pictures of my work and sent them to Mr. Chris Jenkins, who organized the meeting. And it's, it's other words of, of seeing, uh, am I making fool of myself? But... <laughs> 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 But he was really encouraging. Yes, come come here and, and, and we'll see how it goes. And so I took the bull by the horn and flew to England with my work and put them on display. And uh, and it was incredible. The people were so incredibly nice. It oh. was like 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 a family. Uh, they are like family meetings. The, the guild meet, meetings. Uh, I, mm-hmm. they, I was so incredibly welcome there. And. And I, the feedback I got for my rope work was was incredible. And uh, on the way home, I, I decided, yes, that's that's it. This is what mm-hmm. I'm putting all my energy to. And well, the rest is history. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> wow! To, to, <laughs> talking to some random people on the other side of the world. So. <laughs> 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 oh what more could you ask for? 
<laughs> well, uh, that is uh, the highlight of your of the stories is that I, I get to meet <laughs> uh, meet or meet uh, over the internet, but anyway, all around yeah. the world, right? Uh, that that are in, uh, that are interested in uh, in not tying more, or maybe even me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we're interested in both. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, so are you teach? Are you teaching a lot to folks? And like, on do you have uh, you have like a YouTube uh, channel, right? Is that correct? Yep, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. And uh, the YouTube channel I started because uh, when I started to search for information and. Uh, I found in YouTube quite a lot, mm-hmm. but it was a little bit here and a little bit there, and, and took very long time to find the kind of instructions and, and videos that I I needed. So, so I decided if I would collect them in the one place to my channel, mm-hmm. uh, but then instead of uh, uploading other videos there, I thought that I could could make them myself. So, mm-hmm. so that's how I started. So, so that the to smooth the way for another not tire who would like to search information so that a one stop yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would be much easier so uh, well I didn't know how much work it is to, to make videos and I, I'm not very good at it and I'm trying to learn and, and I'm, I'm getting better all the time so so that's something I will will continue and and that's uh, has become very important part of, of my work so to speak uh, mm-hmm. is to pass on the knowledge mm-hmm. that I have mm-hmm. and, and making videos to YouTube is uh, one way of doing it to passing on the knowledge mm-hmm. but I also enjoy uh, having workshops so that, that gives me an opportunity to meet people also mm-hmm. otherwise it's quite quite lonely work on Going up and down rope walk mm. alone, or sitting 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 in my room and tying knots. So <laughs> never meet meet anybody. So so I need to meet people also. Right. And, and workshops give, give me the opportunity to both meet people, like minded people, enjoy their company, mm-hmm. and uh, also to pass on the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So that that has, has become very important, and I enjoy it very much. The last two years haven't been. Very successfully. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can relate. Thought, but, uh, but we got the green light for uh, for my next workshop uh, in a month. Oh wow! We are spending uh, spending a whole whole weekend from Friday to Sunday making ditty bags. And oh wow! Cool. That, that that's something I've been organizing once a year, uh, all included workshop or wow. or, or what should you call it? get together yeah <laughs> yeah that's great so so the, the idea is is that we leave our worries and hold our life on friday evening in the car <laughs> that's a great <laughs> philosophy <laughs> i love that <laughs> earlier earlier it was even better than when i organized them on, on a small island oh yeah <laughs> so, oh, that'd be fun so uh, but that became a quite a long way there so so i have a new place where i'm organizing this but you leave all, all your life in the car yeah. and then you can concentrate on your handcraft mm. right. on your doing on your for on yourself mm-hmm. the whole weekend mm-hmm. uh, i take care of, of everything else mm-hmm. accommodation and, and, and food and everything you don't have to 
expecting anything else but your crush and your handwork. Wow. So that so so that's that's a fun thing to do. Yeah. That's <laughs> well, Amy, uh, I think I know where our next cut the craft retreat should be. <laughs> 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 Finland. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh. well, I well I actually had people coming from from US to the workshop, but oh, really? uh, well, this yes, but the situation is what it is. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I have one coming from Holland anyway, and then from north oh. of Finland, and so so they are coming from all over, so to speak. But, wow. Yeah. But not as as much from US as yeah. as was planned. Right. So that's a great way to to spend your holiday. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. <laughs> there are holidays geared towards certain interests like love, booze, and food. There's even holidays before holidays built for us to boost the economy by buying things with what capital any of us may have for the holidays after them. We leave the months for the things we say deserve the most attention, while we neglect them most because we can't monetarily pay for why they became months to raise awareness. Raising awareness I'm digesting as, the awareness of this is low, and we need to raise it. But this method, in my small life, I mean look around. If the awareness gets raised, it lowers again. I'm no voice of reason, but I question the giving of calendar sections as a sufficient remedy for righting the wrongs from our past. Have you considered the list? I recommend checking it out to raise your awareness. This is the area where I wrote a lot of specifics, which I still think should be voiced somewhere, but aren't explicitly related to our next guest, Eleanor Rose, except to say that Eleanor is interviewed during Women's History Month and works within Women's History through its past and modern neglect in order to change and protect the future. She's a machinist, toolmaker, wood and metal worker, tailor, and caster who, along with her fellow media and furniture making craft partner Stacy Mott, hold the threads of awareness together with craft-based sculpture and works which bring what many tellers of time have buried back to the surface with their surfaces aiming to keep them there while still managing to show what we've lost. Gertrude Stein famously wrote, a rose is a rose is a rose, leaving many to chase after what it means. Well, Eleanor is Eleanor is Eleanor. And join us next episode to hear some of her meaning. So I'm I'm a kind of interested in the history of not work is that something you can kind of touch on or is that too big of a a question i mean i really don't know anything about it so anything you could share would be a revelation <laughs> <laughs> well that 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 is kind of a huge story <laughs> Usually you start stories with the ancient Romans or, or ancient <laughs> Greeks, but but but, he, but the history of ropes is right. much more fun. Right. Uh, that goes uh, goes to the dawn of mankind. Right. Actually. Yeah. And that's where, that's what make makes ropes probably the first invention that mm-hmm. a man has made mm-hmm. is to take take pieces of fiber, twist them together to form a yarn. Mm-hmm. That's actually the invention, and uh, 
not just the, its uh, oldest dimensions, uh, but it's the most important mm-hmm. invention that that man has ever made. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, the archaeological evidence is only about fifty thousand years old, but but we rope makers know that that man has made ropes as long as there has been a man, and mm-hmm. uh, that's because we. A species we wouldn't have survived without cordage, mm-hmm. and we are still depending on on the invention of, of making cordage and ropes. Mm-hmm. We couldn't speak with each other without ropes here, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we don't think about it. <laughs> yeah. So, so that that's kind of a huge thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but a piece of rope actually is not so useful if you don't know how to tie knots. Mm-hmm. That's where knots come come in the picture. So you have a piece of rope, you can, can't do actually anything, but tie a loop in it and you can catch an animal or, or take several ropes, tie them together to form a bridge mm. or rig a ship. <laughs> so so, uh, so you could say that uh, it's like it's like with computers computer that is the hardware is not very useful without the software. Mm-hmm. The same thing with ropes. Rope is the hardware and not the software. And together they become very useful. Mm-hmm. In, in terms of the fancy work uh, that you were sort of referring to earlier and that you're mostly interested mm-hmm. in, was that like when when sailors were on the ship and there's a lot of, you know, downtime or something, maybe there's not enough wind and they're just sitting there. Were they just exploring these knots or? Uh, well, yes, kind of. That's the story that people like to think. Uh, <laughs> in... I fell for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yes, partly. That's partly true. It uh, Since uh, a ship has enormous amount of ropes in order to to, to sail. Mm-hmm. It's wholly depending on, on ropes. And there are thousands and thousands of knots in the, in the rigging. So the tool that sailors used was tying knots. <laughs> and uh, though the majority of, of sailors, they were uneducated young people. So uh, they maybe knew a few few knots that uh, so that they could fulfill their work mm-hmm. but those who could tie more complex knots maybe do some beautiful knot work they were very 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 respected members of the crew mm. so that's that was the way to so, show their skills to tie beautiful difficult knot work mm. and that's how, how how it began to 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 be an a real art form. It mm. was custom for sa- sailors that they, when they had their chest, they had it made or maybe bought somewhere and it just had some iron handles or, or a piece of rope as handle. So they made their own handles, the so-called beckets, to their chest where they put all their skills, what they had in tying knots. It could take months or it could take years before they had, had the pair ready. And that was kind of their business card. Mm. So when they had the new crew member coming to ship, they looked at the 
man how it looks like and and then they took a very long look at the baguettes of his chest and hmm. there they could determine if he was a real sailor how did he, he could handle ropes, how he could tie, tie knots so it was kind of an important thing to show show your skills in that way wow. uh, but they actually didn't have too much time on the ship to mm. do some 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 knitting. I've read my great grandfather's diaries. He was a, mm. a captain. Oh, oh wow! And uh, he looked to it that they didn't have any spare time. <laughs> mm. <laughs> they they worked in in uh, shifts of four hours, four hours, four hours sleep, four hours work wow in two shifts so so you know if, if you had worked four hours so what you did the next four hours it was mostly sleeping and eating yeah uh and when they had maybe it wasn't windy or anything like that so they could have some spare time the captain looked after that they were replacing the rigging they were painting they were tarring everything so so they had work all the time mm-hmm. Uh, well, yes, they did uh, have some some free time also, and they maybe did some some not work during that time. But uh, uh, mostly, it was uh, whalers that made that kind of fancy not work because hmm. they weren't are part of the crew. Mm-hmm. They were as passengers when they traveled to to wherever the whale station was. So they had a couple of months to do nothing else but knitting on the deck. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or, or the or the fancy work was done by by sailors who got retired and went back to their farms where they had had more time to it, wow. and used their skills there. But they, of course, they learned it on the on the ships. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Dang, that's crazy. Yeah. I remember reading on your website about um, about how you were using like I guess vintage or old old stock of rope and cordage to tie your knots, but then you ran out and had to start making your own. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Uh, yeah, that's uh, true. When I started to do more knot work, I had inherited some cordage from my, from my father. He collected all the cordage in the world he could find. <laughs> wow. And uh, so it was quite amount of, of cordage. And that was the cordage that I had used in my childhood and all my life. Uh, and it's a kind of special kind of hard laid, hard cotton twine. And that's what I used. And then when I ran out of it, so I, I went to the nearest store to buy some more. So so only the, I found that I couldn't find it anymore. It wasn't the same quality anymore. Well, only, only soft twines that I could find, or, 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 or they were man-made fibers, some nylon cordage or something like that. But, but the hard-laid cotton cord was nowhere to find. And uh, it turned out that they don't make it actually anymore. Or if they make it, I don't know where they sell it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, since I knew how to make rope, so, so I built my own rope-making machines out of wood naturally <laughs> so uh, and uh, developed a method of uh, of making my own cordage very hard laid fine cotton cordage 
And so are you just starting with raw cotton? Uh, well, I don't spin the yarns okay. other than okay. for fun. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds like a lot. So, so uh, yes, that, that would be fun, but I'm not that good of spinner. And, I can uh, relate to that. And, bes- <laughs> and besides, now that I also sail my cordage, so that would economically be a, a disaster. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, so I buy the twines, and, and luckily in Finland they still have a kind of uh, old-time uh, cotton twine that they sell that's uh, perfect for making making small ropes. So the ropes cool. I make are, are very small from uh, one millimeter up to five millimeters is the main product that I have, wow. both in, in, in cotton and I also use flax. Mm. So that, that's very beautiful, nice material. Mm. So that's the, the that's the story, story with the ropes. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, the uh, kind of selfishly, one of the reasons I was asking is because um, in the bookbinding community, which is uh, a mm-hmm. community I'm very involved with, uh, it's really hard to find high quality cord to sew the books on. Um, yes, and, I know. And so I'm. I might. Uh, I I understand from your website that you sell uh, your cordage, so I might be in touch to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, do do that, but uh, be prepared for a long wait time. Yes. All right. Oh. I'm yeah. patient. <laughs> so that that that's uh, one of my main products is is the cordage, hmm. and I started it just to for my for my own needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, as it turned out, no one else was able to find a good cordage for their work, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't know that there are so many knot tires in the world. So I kind yeah. of fell in the in the rabbit hole and found a world that I didn't know that exists: huh. the world of knot tires. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so uh, I, I started selling to the nearest uh, friends uh, first, but but then it. Went on and went on and went on, and now it's uh, one of my main products is the cordage, <laughs> and, and and also tools. Mm. Oh, interesting, cool. So, are you selling? Are you selling rope to people who are sailing also, or? Uh, very little, since I use only uh, natural fiber in in my ropes. Mm. And they want like fancy, uh, like uh, I don't even know what. Where... I have no idea. <laughs> well, uh, well, all materials have their own specific use, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and uh, and though earlier all the ropes were made of hemp, mm. so uh, with modern materials they they are stronger, mm-hmm. they don't rot, mm-hmm. and they are cheaper. So, right. why not use? that in, in your boat if you, if you just need a mooring line or, or anchor line or something like that. Right, so, right, right. So, so, so this. But then, uh, then those who like sailing with wooden boats with traditional rigging, so mm-hmm. they maybe want to have, have a rigging in, in hemp rope or, mm-hmm. or vanilla rope or something like that. So yeah. Viking ships that mm. you, you wouldn't use nylon on a Viking ship, I think. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so there, there are some specific uh, boating areas where you still use natural cordage, but uh, mm-hmm. but it isn't too much. Right. So, 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 so the cordage that I make is especially for fancy work. Yeah. 
I do do have uh, always when I workshops that always includes rope making. So quite often people when they come to my my workshops, so they make ropes for themselves, maybe for the for their boats. So that's so they it. have the opportunity to, to to make it themselves yeah. for themselves. So that, that's a that's a fun thing to do. It's that's so fun to watch too. And I I've, I did it. We have a um, it's called the Farmers and Threshers Jubilee. So it's like this this area of the United States produced a lot of steam engines when they were a thing, <laughs> when they were like popular. Um, and so there's this there's this gathering of people who have all these steam engines, like really old, yeah. um, old steam engines that have been refurbished, and and so there's this big gathering that happens, and uh, there there's always like the rope making area and i remember doing that as a little kid making these little ropes they were just out of like plastic baler's twine but um mm. that that was a important memory for me i guess <laughs> it's really fun it's really fun because it's like oh my gosh you hook all yes, everything that, that, you know yes that that is fun i i really like when i'm uh, at the summertime i'm attending to different kind of festivals and i have my Wooden rope maker always with me, mm-hmm. so people have the opportunity to make their own ropes. Yeah, and it's it's so fun to see people when they have never done it before, and with a little bit of instructions, they are able to make their own rope and see how their eyes lit. And, and yeah, that's that's a beautiful moment. Yeah, it's <laughs> wow. really fun. Yeah. <laughs> huh. yeah. So so, Miko, what? What are you most proud of? Do you have like some pieces that you're like, okay, this was like, this was such a good example of, of good not work. Uh, you should ask that question for my wife. I have a <laughs> habit of, of trying to challenge myself and doing better and better work every time. Mm-hmm. If not every time, very often. And uh, then I can come home with the, uh, with a new marlin spike or or maybe some some knot work that I done present it to my wife and then and I say that this and this must be the most beautiful thing that I have ever done in my life <laughs> and she usually agrees yeah. <laughs> so 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 that's the work that I'm most proud of yeah. at that moment right <laughs> and I try to come there time after time after time mm-hmm. uh, I think that I'm allowed to be proud of my own work mm-hmm. or actually i need to be proud of my own work if i'm not proud of my own work how would anyone else accept it right so uh so that's a that's a moment where i'm <laughs> the latest work is usually the one that i'm proudest of all right uh, I, like I like that, that. i like that yeah <laughs> yes but uh that's the beauty with uh, not tying you are learning everything every day something new mm-hmm. or you have the possibility anyway to, to learn something new so it's a never-ending journey so that, that's the beauty of it and, uh, and another work that i think that i'm, I'm very proud of is, is if i've done something no matter what and maybe put out the picture of it or, or send it to a customer and someone other people get inspired 
of my work. Mm. So, so that's the moment when I'm very proud of my work. If I'm mm. able to inspire someone else to mm. maybe make a copy of it. Mm. What have you learned from from not work and rope work like what have you learned about yourself or has anything changed my my, my whole life uh, turned around where when i started with not work so so it has <clears throat> i need to go get the glass of water yeah sure. yeah go grab of some water. Yeah. yeah are you looking to connect with other woodworkers and carvers across the nation Join the Greenwood Rights Fest, April 22nd through 24th in Pittsburgh, North Carolina, where there will be 26 workshops of interest for beginners as well as advanced carvers. Master of Ceremonies, world-renowned woodworker, and our guest from episode 29, Roy Underhill, will shed light on the greater meaning of being a spoon carver today. Learn more at greenwoodrightsfest.com or follow them on Instagram at greenwoodrightsfest. How are you feeling? Did you get something? Okay. Good. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, just some, maybe some hemp fiber that I got in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> Fly, flying, flying around in my workshop. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. There was a rope maker in, in Finland that uh, he had to stop. He got, got all the jute fibers and, and dust in his lungs. So. Oh, jeez. He's, he's retired now. Oh, wow. Yeah. I guess I didn't even think about that. That's like sawdust too. I, my, I live on a, like a family farm and mm -hmm. share occasionally share the workshop with my dad. Like I do more just like handwork and carving and stuff, but if I need to use a table saw or a bandsaw or a sander or something, I go over mm -hmm. to his workshop and like, I have to be all face masked up and stuff because i just can't breathe the dust it's just totally mm -hmm. you know i i it used to not bother me so much but i as soon as i started wearing a mask to go in there for the for the sawdust it's like i can't even be in there without something on my face <laughs> so yeah i understand that. That, that that's what i learned when in the woodworking shop that all all the woodworkers have mustache yeah, <laughs> as, as a filter against yeah. dust. That's true. My dad does have a mustache. Yep, yep. yep. I'll have to start working on that. That's so funny. That <laughs> is funny. Oh man. So I guess where I was trying to go with like my question was that, like we've talked to some folks about, like their their level of patience has changed a lot when they when they really mm -hmm. dedicated themselves to learning a craft and just sort of like just being more patient with themselves in their process and learning and that kind of stuff i guess that's a little bit more where i was headed with that question mm -hmm. i don't know if that's yeah, well that, well that's absolutely true yeah that's uh one of the reasons why i did so much fancy work was to teach patience mm. to myself to mm -hmm. be patient mm -hmm. and uh, that works works <laughs> really well i have incredible patience nowadays mm. uh, when, when earlier i was i was really explosive mm. 
very very impulsive i, I couldn't control my impulses at all mm. so uh, i remember i was sitting sitting on a train for four hours and, and i was making a pair of beckets and went to a coffee or something like that and then came back and continued working with one section that needs to be exact thousand knots wow. and two hours later i noticed that where i had the coffee break i got a little bit more strength in my fingers and i made the tighter knots a couple of rounds wow. there huh. so it wasn't perfect without losing my nerves i Und- undid the work my whole two hours work back wow. to the point where it, where it wasn't perfect and yeah. continued in peace <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. so as, as an example of a former explosive impulsive <laughs> man who have th- th- thrown the whole work out of the window with a couple of passengers <laughs> <laughs> whoa I uh, I need to start looking at flights to Finland right now and learn some of those things. <laughs> and, uh, no, no, you need to continue with your knitting. Ah, okay. <laughs> I did set it down as actually that's true. You know that in a in a much smaller way, um, I would say that I I do the same thing with knitting where I will you know especially when I'm knitting something big like a sweater and it takes like an hour or two to go like two inches um i'll notice a mistake or a missed stitch in a few inches below and i'm just like well here we go and then you just <laughs> take the needles out and you just, just pull it down to that part pull it yep. out yeah yep. well exactly you know what i'm talking about <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yep. or, 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 or is it that you're a perfectionist yeah you can't probably both with the mistake <laughs> yeah my it's eyes probably a little both. <laughs> yeah. well well because that's uh, another thing I've, I've learned as i i am a perfectionist or have been mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh, but i've learned to allow me to be as just as good as i am mm-hmm. i don't need to be perfect in everything that i do mm-hmm. i just need to be happy with what i'm doing so that's that's another huge thing that i i've learned yeah you're through my craft so mm-hmm. I don't need to be the best. Right. Yeah. It takes it takes off the pressure. Mm-hmm. And when you are able to work without the pressure, you get better results. Mm-hmm. That's so true. So That's try, so- <laughs> trying to be perfect makes mistakes. Right. Right. <laughs> it reminds me when I was starting to teach myself how to carve bowls, like green woodworking. Mm-hmm. Um. I made this beautiful, it, it was really beautiful, this bowl out of uh, walnut. And I remember I was like really concentrating on just using my ads and like all this stuff. And I, and I thought, oh, just one more, just one more little, you know, chip with my chip. ads. And I, I did it and I could look through my bowl, you know, and I had no. spent, I mean, hours and hours and hours on this bowl. And I I wasn't angry. I, I, it's, it's funny because I had spent so much time on it, but I, I enjoy the process so much that I was like, well, guess I'll just make another one. <laughs> yeah. I just sort of looked at it and looked through the hole and thought, well, I really learned something this time. <laughs> and You're I like, never made that mistake again. <laughs> I'm now a wooden funnel maker. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
well, that, that, that's exactly right. Uh, that is the most important way of learning is to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to be able to, able to learn from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. Not to give up, but take it as a lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try not to make the same mistake twice. Right. Mm. And, and, and that's absolutely the best way of learning things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, you know, there's, it's like, there's not a negative way, but like, there's a consequence to, to like not paying attention. Like if you go get coffee and you come back and your mm. and your knot work is like a little bit tighter than if you if you, if you make yourself undo the work and do it correctly, then you'll be more mindful next time, you know? And yes, when you're yes, your it was own, several years ago, and I still remember the moment. Right, right. <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to replicate that mistake again. Right, right. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. So, like, what are the what are the challenges that go along with this? Like, have you have you had challenges with just learning how to make it a business or anything like that? Uh, well, I would say that uh, most of the challenges are connected to the business side of it. Hmm. <laughs> so uh, as, uh, as a handcrafter, it isn't too easy to make a living, mm-hmm. yeah, especially in this country, mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. as, as, as self-employed. So, yeah. so the, everything that goes goes with the money side of it, so to speak, the this mm-hmm. business side, pricing mm-hmm. and, and, and and the stress uh, when you don't know if you are selling something, why well, maybe preparing several months for a, for a, some big event or something like that, and, and I don't sell anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, make the ends meet after that. So, so those are, those are the huge challenges, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. In in uh, actual not tying or, or working, so those challenges that I face there are just challenges that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I see. I see some some incredible fine not work, and I take it as a challenge that I must be able to at least replicate it mm-hmm. if not make it make it nicer better <laughs> so those, those are those, that's a challenge but that's a challenge that i that i enjoy mm-hmm. i i don't enjoy the business side of it at all yeah. i try try to try to keep a long distance from it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always when i'm attending to to fairs or or festivals or something like that i have my personal with me who are taking care of the business Mm. Selling, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> t- t- taking money. <laughs> I, I concentrate to my rope, rope making and not tying at the time. So, yeah. So, so uh, well, I think it's uh, quite com- common with uh, any handcrafter. They mm-hmm. are not interested in handling money and and making yeah. business. Otherwise, they wouldn't mm. be handcrafters. Right. If you're interested right, in money true. and, and, ma- and make, making money with your work, don't start with handcraft. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I think it's a quite quite common factor. Uh, yeah. those, those people who are who I know. So 
It doesn't say that it, it wouldn't be possible to make a living with handcraft. Mm -hmm. Of course, it is, it, it's possible. Mm -hmm. But it's also, it's not that romantic all the time that <laughs> you, mm -hmm. you maybe yeah. want, want people, people to think that uh, right. that sometimes that's uh, that's hard work long days mm -hmm. making series of um, 100 key fobs to a customer with the mm -hmm. deadline so so that yeah. that isn't too enjoyable and there might be some kind of a challenge is to to keep up the motivation an inspiration to make mm. the work as good as you were well inspired. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so, so that you start start to cut the corners just to get everything ready and, and get the money out. So, yeah. So, so there you need kind of a good self discipline. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. So, Miko, do you have any mentors that you'd like to acknowledge? Uh, who've you know made big big impacts in your life and practice? I would say that, uh, and of course, as I mentioned before, Mr. Clifford Ashley, who wrote the book Ashley Book of Knots, <laughs> is one of my bi biggest heroes. Of course, mm -hmm. he made an incredible work uh, to to pass on the knowledge. Mm -hmm. that he collected so 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 that's that's what i respect very much uh, at the same time the international guild of knot tires has been enormous resource for me mm. and uh maybe there i could mention mr des Pawson, who has made a life career in in ropes and nuts and and mm. made his uh, huge effort of, of passing on the knowledge so so these are the people that i Mr. Ashley has died very long, over 70 years ago, but, <laughs> but this I have met, uh, met a couple of times. I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful that I mm -hmm. had the opportunity to meet him, meet him in person. I was going to ask, how, uh, how global of a community is the, is the Guild of Knot Tires? Well, it's called International Guild of Knot Tires. So, but is it like you know all con you know is there sort of like a focus? Uh, I'm like not sure if we have any members from Africa, mm. maybe from mm. South Africa. Mm -hmm. mm. uh, but the, it is truly international. It's uh, started from uh, England, so so the majority of the members are from UK. I think mm. uh, US comes comes next, uh, but but we have members from all over the world. Cool. Hmm. It's not that big uh, organization. We have maybe a little bit over a thousand members, but but anyway. Yeah. But uh, people, but people who are who, who are interested in not tying, there must be millions of them. Wow. I have mm. I, I have a, about five six million watchers in my youtube channel so so there must be some yeah. kind of interest somewhere <laughs> somebody's watching <laughs> so, so, some, I, I doubt if there's one or some person who i've watched five million times but <laughs> <laughs> that might have oh. been us <laughs> five million times um so so what inspires you outside of of your craft are there do you have any hobbies that you really love you, you mean that I, I i have life out, out of my craft <laughs> yeah, i know 
Oh. I know it's a stupid question. Uh, it is a dumb question, I guess. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, no. Actually, I'm I'm inspired of, of almost of anything, but 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 I have very huge interest for for traditional crafts in general mm-hmm. and uh, old crafts there where people were living out of the out of the land and could make mm-hmm. almost anything that they needed they could make themselves mm-hmm. so uh, that that's a huge in- interest for me i've just been making a bit of rawhide here and i like to work with uh, birch bark mm-hmm. burn tar yeah that and leather work with the leather or all, all, all kind of make baskets for willow and cool yes and, and it's it's always been a huge interest for me to to make things really from the beginning from scratch so you put the hemp seed in the ground and a year later, you, you well, a year later you have a fancy work maker of your own hemp rope. So, so what, what can be what can be more wonderful than that? Yeah, it's the so world's funny. most expensive sure. key fob. <laughs> uh, yes, that, that that's actually my dream to to, mm-hmm. to make things from scratch. Hmm. You need a pair of shoes. You go shoot on shoot a moose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for making pair of shoes yeah. I, I have them coming up <laughs> not of moose but the deer <laughs> wow oh, cool. yeah, nice uh, cool uh, and, uh, that, that, that's something that I've been like that since, since I was a child so, mm-hmm. so uh, and, and it's all fun with it is that uh, there's always there's always something new to learn mm-hmm being curious and, and being able to learn new things, that, that's a wonderful thing. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I agree with you. Totally. Uh, so, Miko, if someone wants to see more of your work, uh, where can they find you? I'm a Google map. <laughs> 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 as, as I said, this is a, I get quite alone. <laughs> You're welcome to drop in. Uh, otherwise, uh, otherwise, you need to come to my workshops if you have the possibility. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, at the summertime, I, I'm going around different kind of kind of festivals, medieval festivals, Samaritan festivals. So, if you're on holiday in summer, welcome to Finland. Otherwise, it's uh, I have my. Uh, web page. I have my Facebook, both personal and, and business. I have my YouTube mm-hmm. channel. I even do Instagram nowadays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I I I try to be all all over the net. <laughs> Ooh, nice pun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um I was. Uh, are are all of those under the name like uh, Miko Snellman? Uh, most of it, yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yes, uh, that that's that, that's uh, that's something that I learned from my daughter when I was very shy doing any marketing mm-hmm. with my work. I, I I was raised up that uh, good stuff sells itself, so I don't need to <laughs> right. do actually any yeah. marketing. But yeah. it has shown that it, it that isn't true. <laughs> you must mm-hmm. do some right. marketing, and I was trying yeah. to do marketing for my products, but she said that actually the product is you. 
Hmm. No one's no one's actually interested in knots. <laughs> they're interested <laughs> interested in the person who ties the knots. Yeah. And uh, and to put my face in a brochure or give my name, so that was a huge step for me to to go with that. But but I've learned mm-hmm. learned to do it. And and uh, I said, it's uh, very important for a handcrafter to to be yeah. the, the product. Mm. And and that's that's why I mostly use my own name instead of some random corporation <laughs> mm-hmm. right. international network llc right. yes uh, li- li- limited <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> well miko thank you so much for for joining us uh across the ocean and uh sharing all about your life and works we really appreciate you coming on the show thanks it was a pleasure Ho- hope to talk yeah. to you soon again yes thanks for thanks for sharing your story Well, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation and also to everyone who has supported the show, whether financially or otherwise. An extra special thanks to Stella, David, and Jim for joining us on Patreon. As mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we have a beautiful hand-woven item made by Porfirio Gutierrez for our annual patron giveaway this April. And we have begun our monthly patron Zoom gatherings. Still haven't come up with a name, so that's what we're going with for now. (laughs) Um, as things, I should, I guess I should just call them zoom craftathons. So that way the name will be so unbearable that someone will give us a good name. Right. That doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. <laughs> no. So our next zoom craftathon will be, uh, March 17th at 7 PM. And, uh, yeah, I mean, outside of that, as things are opening back up, it's just, We're just trying to balance everything, keep up with the podcast and paying our bills and stuff. So your support really means the world. And um, yeah, just thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So every contribution matters, both for helping us grow the podcast and raising money for craft scholarships. Also, thank you to our sponsors, North House Folk School in Minnesota, John C. Campbell Folk School in Western North Carolina, and the Greenwood Rights Fest, which is also in North Carolina. And a free way to support the show is to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find us, and we also really appreciate the feedback. And if you'd like to see more images of guest work or to stay up to date on other happenings like the class giveaways we've done with John C. Campbell or Pocosin Arts or our upcoming April giveaway, mm-hmm. please follow us on Instagram at Cut the Craft Podcast. Also, if you want to see more of our work, both of our accounts are linked in the bio on the podcast page. You can also email us at cutthecraftpodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, or guest recommendations for the show, or even if you just want to say hi. And as always, a huge thanks to Brad Vetter for your graphic design, to the High Divers and Luke Mitchell of the High Divers for letting us use your music and for help with production, and to Justin Williams for writing those poetic tidbits introducing our upcoming guests. Coming up, we have an interview with toolmaker and craft-based sculpture artist Eleanor Rose. So to get a little glimpse into our conversation, here's a clip. Thanks again for joining us. See you next time. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want it to like I talk about all my, like how life is hard. I don't want it to seem like I don't know that I'm like super privileged to be um, like doing exactly what I love. Um, mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It but doesn't wanna, mean it can't be hard to throw too. that out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I'm, like, totally fine with being poor and working and, like, you know, like, dying at a table saw. 
um, like <laughs> working until I'm 80 and then just like, oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just don't want to be like some of the, the people in the generation prior to me who were like, you know, hated their job. And like, I mean, I, I remember my entire youth, my, my dad would come home and be like, oh, I just like hate my job. I like hate my work. And like, yeah, I'm not entirely sure if he fully hated it, but I know he hated some of the people he worked with. And like, I'm mm-hmm. just like, oh, I, like, I have my best friend in the studio and I get to listen to like podcasts all day while I'm like making hand tools. That's pretty <laughs> cool. That's like yeah. really, really cool. Um, totally. Totally. 